I guess what I love about what I do is the leadership. So I guess what's been really amazing is being able to create opportunities for people, being able to lead a team. Being a remote company, you have to think and be more intentional about your culture. You have to put a lot of focus and thought into it. Hello and welcome to the Helping Organizations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders and business owners with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. As a consultancy, we're here to help SMEs build resilient, high-performing teams and businesses quickly so they can innovate, deliver and thrive. If you would like to build a resilient team and business that creates, innovates and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, Today I have uh, Catherine Strachan. Uh, Welcome and good morning to you, Catherine. Hi, welcome. Thank you for having me. No, it's great to have you. And I'm just going to tell the audience just a little bit about you. And then we're getting some sort of conversation. Uh, You are the managing director and owner of Copy House, uh, which is a technology content market agency working with some of the largest tech brands in the world on amazing copy and content. Um, You've got a mission to build a a better businesses through honest conversations. And and you're also passionate about creating a positive workplace culture and empowering employees to bring their best selves to work, which we are going to explore and dig a little bit deeper into the company culture and how you've done that within your business but before we go there i'd just like to understand a bit more about catherine and what you'd love about what you do yeah yeah well so uh thank you for that introduction that's really great um i am catherine stracken i'm the managing director of coffee house coffee house we're a content marketing agency specializing in technology and fintech Um, I guess what I love about what I do is the leadership. So when Coffee House started, it started from my freelance copywriting business. So I was a one-man band, so to speak. And one of the really great things about how we've grown is that as we've grown, I've been able to take people on this journey with me. So today I have a senior leadership team of five other people um, who I've more or less brought up through the ranks, you know, one of our content lead who oversees all of our copywriters, he joined us as a junior copywriter. And today he's the most senior copywriter that we have. So I guess what's been really amazing is being able to create opportunities for people, being able to lead a team, being able to really take care of my team and protect them throughout the pandemic, but to work together and to kind of create this company culture. So I guess to go back to your question, one of my favorite things about what I do is to lead and to look after my team and to see their growth projections and to see everything that they do and achieve. Um, I feel really honored to have my team um, and to be able to, yeah, have such a big impact in their lives. That's an interesting response um, in terms of it was all about people was all about leading people uh, it wasn't about creating copy or content uh, which is obviously what your your core business does um now you've experienced a huge amount of growth in the last sort of 12 18 months i think i've got some figures from you 2021 you went from a team of five to 30 
um, your revenue grew by 280 uh, percent and you've gone into Europe now as well which is just massive amount of growth on people and revenue um, how have you managed people in that sort of context of such high growth and making sure that they're sort of with you and uh, delivering but also keeping that sort of culture together yeah i mean we're fully remote so i guess one of the biggest challenges is being a remote company being a remote company you have to think and be more intentional about your culture you have to put a lot of focus and thought into it um it's easier when you're in an office to just kind of let it naturally organically happen but when you are remote, you have to think more about that. Um, and as we've grown, I obviously haven't been able to support every single individual person myself. But what I have done is I've created a senior leadership team um, who I've kind of raised by hand. So a lot of them have been with me for a long time, which means that I've then been able to pass on my ethos and I've been able to almost train them in how to be good leaders. And then they have been able to lead their teams. Um, so kind of duplicating and multiplying myself in a way, um, you know, teaching my senior leaders how to be leaders so that they can then be leaders to their team so that they can teach people who are, you know, maybe part of their team how to be leaders. And that can then have a trickle down effect, I guess I would say. Um, but it's also about, you know, protecting the company as a whole. So, you know, taking care of the team and trying to create things within the company that I would really like to have happen if I worked at Coffee House. So, for example, we have an employee assistance program. So once a month, everybody gets an hour with a mental health provider um, who's there to kind of just talk to them about things, whether it's the weather or the weekend or something deeper and darker. Um, you know, this is somebody who can be a neutral third party, especially during a pandemic when, you know, our normal support networks were under stress. This gave them the space that they needed to be able to emotionally offload onto somebody who wasn't then going to be worried about them, um, who wasn't then going to try to get more involved or anything like that, but could then just provide that emotional sounding board. Um, we've had that program going for about a year now, and it's received some really positive feedback from from the team um, and has had a good, good impact on their mental health. So I guess, you know, when you think about the company as a whole, it's thinking about if I was an employee, what would I want? So we have a flexible working policy. You know, we treat them like adults. We don't micromanage. Um, you know, we have a work from anywhere policy. We're just about to roll out uh, paid sick leave and, you know, doing all these things that if you worked there, would you want that to happen? What do you need to be, um, you know, your most creative or your best self? I think if you think about it like that, it brings some empathy into leadership, even when you're leading quite a large group who you can't have that one-on-one -on -one deep personal relationships with it would be impossible to have that with 30 people but what you can do is you can create a team and a company culture that radiates that you can take care of the wider organization as a group by doing things that you would like to have happen and you can think about it as more than just you know another number um and you can tailor it and when issues arise you know you can look for personal and bespoke solutions for that individual and help your your leaders, your the people you support to then support that person, even if they're not a direct report for you. Does that kind of make sense? 
feel like I've been it makes, it makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense and and, it, and it's good to hear that you've obviously got people at the core of how you want to manage and lead your business and you've got some great sort of tools and great sort of um, programs in place and but also there's there's a there's a deeper sort of thought on it all as well and it's quite intentional uh, and I think a lot of companies could learn from that what what got you to that place where you've developed a not only an ethos for it but also think this is really important is it from your own experiences good or bad yeah I mean I think everything everything is right I mean you can't um, just end up somewhere without having had experiences in the past and I've certainly had good bosses and I've certainly had bad bosses you know one of the reasons why I left agency world was because the flexibility I needed when I when my daughter was quite young so I have a four-year-old daughter um, when she was very young when she was you know a baby um, wasn't given to me. So I needed a lot, a lot more flexibility, but I like to think that I was a very valuable employee or I would have been, but I was kind of pushed out from agency life. So I left and said, okay, well, I'm going to make my own way. But one of the really brilliant things about making your own way and making your own rules is that you can actually bring people with you. So you can bring people who maybe don't fit into the nine to five into the normal boxes, so we have a really diverse team and, you know, my way of leading and running a company has been able to attract people who would struggle with nine to fives who, you know, perhaps live in really remote locations. So can't go into an office or have critical illnesses. So can't do a nine to five because they need to take more breaks. So they need to do this or that in order to be able to, you know, be healthy and be at their best selves. And all of that has made a massive difference and it's amazing how you can bring people with you so you know it doesn't your way of looking at the world is often very attractive to other people so other people need that additional that new way of looking at the world that new way of running a remote company um, or office culture but it's interesting how uh what you're doing is I'd still say it's quite pioneering in this day and age. I think a lot of companies, certainly smaller companies, um, struggle to maintain that focus on their people. They tend to focus just on the sales and their profits. Um, and, you know, the old sort of phrase of, you know, your greatest assets is your people. And I think people say that, but I don't think people believe it. It feels like to me that you've really focused on the people and by virtue of people, you're growing your business, you're being successful, you know, you've got 280% revenue growth last year uh, and expanding and probably going to continue to grow this year. Um, what are the messages, what are the learnings have you had by focusing so much on the people that that's driving your growth? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's been a lot of learnings and not everything has, you know, I've, I haven't done everything right. Um, so, you know, there are things that I have said that I shouldn't have said or, you know, I've overreacted when I shouldn't have or I've reacted too slow. Um, and there's been a lot of learning opportunities throughout that. And I guess it's, you know, one of the biggest learning opportunities is how to develop a culture and keep a culture um, even as a company grows. So, you know, to have a four person team is a lot different than having a 30 person team. And what is it that you can do so that you can maintain that 
so that you can maintain your your same ethos, your same way of looking at the world, your same way of leading. Um, and I guess, you know, it's still something that I'm working on and something that, you know, we think about every day. And, you know, as we've grown, we've been able to also have more resources. So, you know, we can roll out more programs. We can spend more money on, you know, private insurance or, you know, things like this. We can invest more in the team. Um, and how do we invest that and, you know, actively looking for those opportunities. Um, I mean, I would say that company culture is probably something that I think about every single day. Um, and I have, a, I have a head of people who helps me with that as well. So between the two of us, we probably talk about some aspect of culture every single day um, and are constantly working on evolving it and moving it so that it maintains and keeps up with the company. Because I think it's far too easy for your company to grow really quick, grow like wildfire. And the culture that you create at the beginning no longer fits. I mean, most things in a business are like that. When your company grows, you need to update them. So, you know, you may need a new system because your company is now bigger. It's the same with same with culture. Um, it needs to be evolved as you grow. And I agree with you. I think it's that starting with something at the core of it, which is obviously you and how you want it to lead and how you want it to manifest uh, and then bringing the right people along, which your son, that you've got this leadership team, you've got a head of people uh, and have a real focus on on culture and, 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 and nurturing culture because you've got to nurture it. So you've got to feed it, you've got to invest in it uh, to continue to grow. Now, we've had a conversation before, and one of your phrases, which I, I love, uh, is you like to lead through love, which is a slightly unusual phrase in the context of a business. And first, I'd like to understand where you got that phrase from or how that, that got created in you. Uh, so almost where did it come from? And then how does that manifest beyond what you've just talked about in terms of culture, in terms of dealing with people? So how do you lead through love? Yeah. I mean, I think this goes back to what I was talking earlier about treating your people like you would like to be treated and caring for them and caring for their best interests. And, you know, that's not always easy because sometimes their best interests lies outside of coffee house. So, for example, one of our copywriters is leaving because uh, they got a really great opportunity that they couldn't turn down. And as a leader, you actually want them to go for that. Um, you know, you, they came to me and they said, you know, I'm really nervous about this opportunity. It's a big one for me. Like, I don't know if I should take it. And I said, you have to take that. You have to go for it because that is what's best for your career right now. And it's not something that we can possibly offer you. So you have to go for it. Um, you know, and when you put their best interests first, um, I think that's leading through love. So, you know, you put their interest first. I mean, another really great example is when the pandemic first happened. When the pandemic first happened, I didn't pay myself for six months because I wanted to take care of them first. I wanted to make sure that they were getting paid and that all the money that we had was going back into the company so that we could create a sustainable future for ourselves. Ended up creating a very fast growing future for ourselves, but it's putting their interest first. So it's kind of a lot like, parenting in some ways i have a small child so it's easy for me to compare it to that but when you love your child uh, as most parents do you put their interests first so you may not want to watch that movie you may not want to go to the play park you may not want to go to soft play i mean most adults don't want to do these things but it's good for them and they want to and it helps with their development so you do it 
Um, and I think it's the same when you're leading a company. I mean, you often do things that you may not want to do, but that are good for the rest of the team or that are good for that individual. And it's helping balance both like what is actually good in the long run for the company, as well as what that individual needs. And, you know, being able to cater to that individual, and, you know, change the rules if it needs to. And we try to approach everybody on an individual one-on-one basis. Um, even if it's not myself that's dealing with them personally, you know, everybody tries to make make the adjustments that need to be made or, you know, find solutions to problems rather than just saying you don't fit in our box. So you don't belong here. Um, and I think, I think it's about that. So it's like it's almost like servant leadership, isn't it? Putting people first and having a, 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 a mindset of wanting to serve people, isn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I think all leaders should be because what's the opposite? The opposite is being selfish. It's putting your best <laughs> interest first. Um, and that doesn't sound like any leader that anybody would ever want to follow. People want to follow people who inspire them, who push them to be better who, you know, help them through hard times, who show them the way when the path is lost. That's who people want to follow. I mean, who would follow somebody who was only out for themselves, who only cared about their best interest or about profits or about any of these things? Um, It's about, as a leader, you need to see the bigger picture. So it's, I mean, obviously it's not always possible to just give somebody whatever they want. And that's not what I'm talking about either. It's about seeing the bigger picture and helping them to see it, helping them to understand how to progress their career, helping them to solve problems without creating immediate problems, without creating long-term problems. Um, It's about helping them to grow and thrive and develop and be nurtured um, and creating psychological safety, which is something that we hear a lot about. And I hadn't actually realized that I had done it uh, because it always seemed like this thing that was quite hard to achieve. Like, how do you actually create psychological safety? Um, Until I was talking to one of my senior leaders um, and they were telling me about how, you know, it's really nice that people are able to voice their opinions. Um, And then I realized that, yeah, I get challenged every day. My team constantly challenges my ideas. Nobody thinks that my ideas are 100% gold because they're not. Um, and they all feel comfortable enough to say, no, I disagree with that. I don't think that's the right way, or maybe we should try it this way, or, you know, sure, sometimes they do listen to me, but also sometimes (laughs) they disagree with me. Um, And I think that's a really healthy sign of psychological safety when people feel that they can speak up, when, you know, they can challenge somebody who is above them, whether it's me or senior leader, or, you know, somebody who is above them um, in, in the hierarchical line management, if we're going to look at it that way, but who can challenge and can voice ideas and, you know, aren't afraid to make mistakes and who can make mistakes and, you know, can own up to them and can learn from them and see them as learning opportunities rather than you're going to get fired because you made one mistake. Um, So I think leading through love is also about creating a psychological safety where people feel that they can make mistakes, where they can learn, where they're not scared to make mistakes and where they can challenge people. Even me, I love to be challenged. I love that. My my team tells me that, you know, that's not a good idea or, you know, helps keep me on the right path because what we're doing is we're helping to build an organization. And, you know, if I just had everything exactly how I saw it, then, it wouldn't do that. 
Well, yeah, you mentioned a very valid point about creating psychology safety uh, within organisations, and that, that's that's the core of, of, of teams, isn't it? Making them so people feel safe to take risks and to challenge uh, people. Um, were you intentional about that, or is that just almost become a byproduct with how you approach things? And what other ways are you creating that environment where people can literally push the boundaries and therefore potentially make mistakes or or failure or whatever you want to call it or places where they can literally challenge you or other people in the business in in a, in a safe way they don't feel they're going to get sort of any recompense for it yeah i guess i've always been intentional about it like i remember one of my first employees um he'd always actually he's a senior leader now um way back when he would say uh i know i'm new here but and then have an idea. And, you know, I remember telling him a lot during like those first few months, uh, you don't have to say that beginning part. You don't have to say, I know I'm new here, but you can just start with your idea because it's a good idea. Um, and I think, you know, by communicating such things, by having those conversations, we've I've been able to create that culture. I've been able to encourage them to speak out, to voice ideas, to have opinions. Um, but I think it starts with the relationship, right? Like you can't just do that if you don't have a relationship. So mm. I've always, you know, taken a lot of time to build relationships, something that I'm, I've always been quite good at. Um, in fact, I see our coffee as creating relationships with helping our brands create relationships with their audience. Um, so communication as a copywriter uh, has always been <laughs> one of my strengths. So yeah, I, I have been intentional about it. Um, and a lot of it has been, you know, done intentionally, though it's also been done organically and also been done through intentional thinking and just deep thinking and building relationships. Um, you know, you know, the five levels of leadership Well, the first level, you know, it needs to start with a relationship. You need that relationship in order to be able to lead somebody. You can't lead somebody who you don't have a relationship with. It's just a simple fact. You can't do it. So starting there, building that relationship, taking an interest in them, getting to know them outside of work, you know, what are their partners' names, what do they enjoy doing when they're not at work, what what stresses them out, how do they respond, uh, what do they need from a communication. Um, in fact, we create user guides. Every employee, when they join Coffee House, creates a user guide of how they like to be communicated with, what they need to feel supported, what they don't need to feel supported, oh, each, what each, they don't each like. Each person who joins creates their own user guide yeah yeah it's just like that's, a one-page sheet we've got a template um it's pretty easily done right before we started the big recruitment process because we were seven people um right before we kind of started a lot of hiring we knew this hiring was coming so how we reset the team was by asking everybody to create this user guide and then one of the things that they get when they join coffee house is an email that kind of set asks them to do that during the first week to create a user guide that details how they like to be communicated with, what they don't like in communication, what people often misperceive by them. Um, so for example, I'm obviously American. I can often come across as very blunt and direct, but I never mean it that way. So my user guide contains stuff like that. Um, and that's really <laughs> useful information to know, right? And it's normally stuff that you learn over time, learn by being around somebody. But it can take up to six months for you to really get to know that about somebody. So imagine mm. if you came in in day one and all that information was just handed to you about everybody you're going to be working with. And imagine if you could tell them back 
I mean, this is exactly who I am. This is what I need. And this is what, you know, how, how I work best. Um, you know, I think that's a, a fant- of, fantastic a idea. Hassle. Well, no, uh, and and it's it's really upfront, and it's really this is who I am as as I know myself, and um, this is how I like to interact and work, communicate, and there's no second guessing, no sort of getting to know each other. And as in, obviously, you got to get to know each other, but it's done quite openly. And it's interesting because I, I do a lot of um, disc psychometric tests with people, which is a a way of identifying people's communication style. So in some ways that does that as well. And it creates a way of, and I do it in teams, so teams know each other, what's the best way to communicate to this person, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but actually creating your own user guide. I, I think that's a, a fabulous idea in a company. That's brilliant. I really like that. Yeah. We, uh, we use psychometric testing during our recruitment process as well. So we use um, seven, seven personalities uh, and it kind of gives right. you a personality type Um so we use that during our recruitment process where we get to see, you know, deeper than just somebody's CV. We get to see, you know, what kind of personality they actually are mm. and what makes them tick and, you know, all of these really great things. And it's one of the ways that we test for soft skills um, during the, yeah, during the recruitment process. And so you've had huge amounts of growth over the last 12 months and, what what if what has been your I guess top one or two growing pains? Because obviously, nothing doesn't just grow perfectly. It, it, there's always a few pains and a few challenges. So what would you know? There's obviously other businesses out there who are in that sort of phase of growth. Um, what what can they expect and from your own learnings of the last sort of twelve eighteen months? Yeah, um, I guess one of the biggest like growing pains was scaling the creative team before we scaled the account team. So, you know, we were getting a lot of work coming in. So we were hiring a lot of copywriters, but our account team was just a two person ban at that time. Um, And they ended up getting really stressed out. And if I could go back, I would have put in our second pod a lot sooner. So we do pod structures. So we have an AM, PM and uh, creative strategist in each pod. And I would have put it in a lot sooner. But, you know, at the time they were like, no, we can handle it. We can handle it. And we actually, um, I was like, well, we need to get you some support. And they're like, okay, well, why don't we hire a junior, a junior assistant? Um, so we did, but because of how fast we were growing, we quickly needed somebody who was more senior. So I actually, we actually had to let go of that junior person and not because they had done anything wrong, but because we needed to go into this pod structure a lot sooner, we needed somebody more senior, um, and you know, it wasn't working. It wasn't alleviating their workload. Um, and it was really quite a terrible moment. I mean, it's terrible to let go of somebody who hasn't Mm. done anything wrong, who, you know, is just not the right seniority level for where the company is at the moment and what it needed because it needed to basically take half of the AM PM team's current workload and give it to another team so that they, their workload could be halved. Um, so I kind of had to realize that and lead them through that. Um, and they weren't very happy with me for it either. Took a lot of conversations, took a lot of convincing. I took a lot of, yeah, difficult conversations to get it into that point. But once it did, it made such a massive difference. So mm-hmm. next time, because uh, we'll need to put in a third pod, we'll do it a little bit sooner. We'll also hire at the right seniority level. So I guess, you know, as a leader, you need to see the bigger picture. You need to be able to, lead your team through difficult times because they're not always going to like you. I mean, going back to the parent analogy, your kids aren't always going to like you. You're going to have to do things that they do not like, that they do not agree with. 
but you have to get them to come with you. So it's convincing them that, you know, this is going to be what's best for the organization in the long run. It's going to be what's best for you because what I really cared about at that moment was reducing their workload because I could see that they're overstressed mm-hmm. and burning out. And I really desperately wanted to help them by reducing their workload. Um, and I knew that this was going to work, but I needed them to come with me. So you have to be good at convincing people to do things that they don't necessarily want to do. Other, also another parenting skill. Uh, but yes, you have to kind of sometimes lead them through those difficult points and get them to come with you and convince them that, you know, this is really for the best in the long run. Um, it was, and, you know, we're much stronger now for having gone through that. But I think, you know, when you're thinking about growing your company, you be quite good. It is quite good to map out your organization, your org chart. So what does it look like in six months from now and a year from now? And who are those people that you need so that you don't make the same mistakes that I did of hiring somebody junior when you really need somebody senior and then having to go through that whole upheaval because um, that would have been best avoided. It's interesting. You, so two aspects I, I took from that is the fact that a you're you're learning from from your say mistakes, but perhaps it didn't go as well as you thought. But you're learning from it and and putting that into the future. But also, it's been a bit more sort of stopping and being more strategic and trying to map out the sort of next twelve eighteen months. Certainly on a people perspective, because we are living in a, a time where you know jobs or I'll say opportunities is more candidate driven. And trying to get good candidates is is more of a challenge. And I, I've, I'm dealing with a number of businesses yeah. where we're trying to get them to look a bit further than six months, go about 12 months out, because it may take six months to even recruit somebody, depending on the industry that, that you're in. Um, I really love talking to you today, Catherine. I've loved uh, your insights, I love your passion. I love your energy. And I love how you uh, are leading uh, with love and have demonstrated it very eloquently and in such a short space of time uh, and i'm sure the listeners will get lots of, of value out of that so if people want to connect with you and get in touch with you how can they do that um so you can reach out to me on linkedin find me under katherine e. stracken you can check out our website at coffeehouse.io um, or you can drop me an email at katherine at coffeehouse.io Um, I'd love to hear from anybody who's thinking about these things. I love networking. I love talking about company culture and leadership. So drop me a line um, and we can get a time to meet in the diary. Brilliant. Well, thank you for your time today, Catherine. Much appreciated. Thank you. If you like this episode, then please do rate, review and share with your friends and colleagues. As a consultancy, we help SMEs build resilient, high-performing teams and businesses quickly they can innovate, deliver and thrive. If you'd like to build a resilient team and business that creates, innovates and delivers, then do get in touch at julianrobertsconsulting.com.